0: Hello and welcome to Particular, a podcast that talks about particular topics and ideas in not a particular way. In the last episode, I announced that I will be changing the angle of the podcast to focus on conversations with leaders in the creative industry. In this episode, I'm joined by Mike Tinian, Head of Creative at Krispy Kreme UK and Ireland. We discuss realising your desire to be a creative, transforming into a leader of a creative team and organising the creative process. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Let us know your thoughts by messaging us on social media or send us an email. All the info in the description box. Hello, Mike, and uh, yeah, welcome to my podcast. And uh, thank you so much for coming. And I can't wait to hear uh, like where our conversation will go. And um, maybe we can start by you uh, introducing yourself and telling a little bit about what you do right now.
1: Well, firstly, thank you very much for inviting me on, Um, really appreciate it. It's a great opportunity to just talk to a a like minded creative Um, and yeah, just just explain a few bits about what I do. Um, Excuse me, if I go off on tangents and stuff, let's maybe bring it back into what you want to find out. But um, ultimately, I could start by saying um, from the start, I didn't actually know I wanted to be a, a creative. Um, it's quite a, an interesting one. My mum actually spotted it before me. She was the one that said, do you know what? I think you should you know, explore graphic design. I didn't know what it was. I had no idea there was a, even a career there for me and I hated school. I absolutely hated it. And I think it was because I wasn't working on creative projects all the time. I had this urge to try and like solve a problem or you know, try and fix something, make something. So I always find it my found myself um creating things with with a friend actually we used to um, create a lot of stuff from boot builds so like speaker surrounding cars to bird boxes to you know you name it, we would try and make it. And I think all of that has led me to to where I am today, just curious actually in all things creative design and that is in other industries as well. I think that's important. We could talk about that in a bit, but sure. Um, so to start a little bit further back, I, I've always had this mindset of wanting to be an, an entrepreneur. And it's a bit strange because now I'm in a in a brand and I'm am head of creative at Krispy Kreme and so it's been probably <laughs> behind. And um I've I've got this mindset now of I'm in, an employed entrepreneur. So I'm constantly seeking out problems to solve for Krispy Kreme. And again, we've got something else I could talk about, um, in a second, uh, a latest creative problem solving one of the proud moments, I suppose, but I've got a very curious mind. Um, it doesn't matter if it's creative or not. I actually think that delving deep into other industries really helps the creative mind. Um, so whether it's donuts, whether it's something different, if you are really curious in a, in a something. And that could be anything from plumbing to electrical to um, I don't know biology, anything. You would be able to learn something in that industry and bring it back over to creative. I, I'm convinced of that. So the the wider you spread your knowledge net, the the more you can bring to the creative team ultimately, and try and approach things from a different angle. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm an infinite learner. I suppose is is a good well-rounded way to, to put that um, yeah sure
0: it's it's uh just wanted to uh point that yeah i totally agree with the curiosity i think that's the main thing that makes all the creatives um not in a way successful but you know achieving something in your field is mainly because you're just curious to create something new you're curious to solve new challenges you're curious to find new solutions And I really like the way you mentioned that you are a hired entrepreneur because entrepreneur, like basically we have this image, of you know, like people, Oh, I'm going to make my own business. I'm going to like, you know, be in a startup or something. And it's not always about, you know, creating stuff. It's not always about solving problems. Just some people are, you know, have this fantasy of being an entrepreneur. So I really like this point and uh, yeah, I think it's really
1: important. I think it's really important actually to point that out. There's a lot of pressure on younger people, especially to go out there, create their own businesses and be multimillionaires by the time they're 25. And there is still great careers for people to have within brands, big brands. And there are ways to still creatively problem solve within a brand. If you just start thinking outside the box or in our case and as I like to say inside the box because yeah <laughs> um so I think yeah that that pressure should be sort of dialed back a little bit so if you're listening or you're, you're watching and, and thinking like I don't know how I'm going to get to that stage or I would love to be able to progress in some way and you're just getting a bit anxious with it just take each day as it comes, keep learning and, um, yeah, try and get into the mindset. You don't need to start your own business to be successful. You can still do that within within another brand and help facilitate the the growth of a, of another brand instead of yourself.
0: Sure. And can we go back a little bit and can you tell about like the, your career path, like uh, your path of the creative you are, like till the point where you are now as a creative director in Crispy Green?
1: Yeah, so um, cool. it's been extremely varied. Um, I touched on it just a minute ago in that I've been very curious in different industries. Um, I have been agency side, so I've been in a couple of agencies, small ones. Um, so I've got a lot of exposure to a lot of different areas within the creative industry. So that's you know web, digital packaging. Um, it could have been of uh, designing a leaflet one day and designing little icons the next day, um, all different programs. And I think that really helped um, understand not only what would work and translate into maybe HTML and you know not over promise and over under deliver, but um, also I've worked in a, a few other roles like maybe I was, I was doing signage at one point. Um, I, I went and did electrical, um apprenticeship and found out it wasn't for me but i I like the hands-on approach to it and so curiosity has been at the, the forefront i suppose where i was jumping around in different roles and from the outside some people looking in might have been like he just doesn't know what he wants to do or he's just flitting around and he he's probably lost i was actually gathering quite a lot of knowledge which has set me up quite well for you know imparting a little bit more wisdom or well-rounded wisdom, shall we say, um, in lots of different areas of the creative industry. So um, I, I sort of look back, it was painful, you know, darting around different roles. But now I think it, it's really starting to pay off. And um, I feel like it's it's sort of a, a great learning for people. So again, if you're in that situation, don't feel like it's the, the be all and end all. There is, uh, you know, light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Yeah, and I think for for a creative, whatever you do, it's like, you know, it's quite a broad uh, profession. And um, I think it's really important to try, like, different roles throughout your career if it is possible for you. Because sometimes people think, oh, I have to go this career ladder through an internship and an agency, then I go and, like, basically grow, grow, grow. But sometimes I think it's really important to... um just, you know, try out different things around you. Like I can tell from my experience, I tried different roles. I like my education was like I'm a film director by education. Then I try doing, you know, like some marketing and working in an agency as well. So for me, this builds my experience. This builds my, um, you know, way of seeing things as well. So a way of solving problems. And yeah, I think it's, it's really interesting, but why electrical apprenticeship or what's the reason behind that? Um,
1: it was always, so a more practical reason would be if the design stuff didn't work out, I would have a trade or some kind of skill to fall back on. Now it was just me, I suppose, thinking of a way to cap the downside or limit the risk. Um, in that, if I go all in on creative and I don't really know which way that's going to go, I'll have something to fall back on. Should I need it now? I didn't really enjoy it. Um, in fact, it, it was probably the company that I was working with that put me off it. But, um, it's actually helped massively in doing some private things, uh, in my private life, aside yeah. from work, um, like doing up houses <coughs> and things like that. So it's really um, helped in different ways. And the, the same uh, methodologies could be applied to the creative industry as well. You, know, you learn bits and pieces that you can transfer across. So it wasn't a wasted time. Um, and I spent a lot of four years stacking shelves whilst I was at college. And I thought, oh, I'm never gonna be able to get out of you know, this. But you know, eventually you start meeting new people, putting the feelers out to, to where you wanna go, finding out what you do and don't like. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in a in a position that you you know really enjoying and you're getting problems thrown at you and you're being able to solve them in a creative way
0: yeah that's 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 really interesting and um, I was wondering, do you have any kind of a project where like you you did and you understood yeah that's what I want to do like you know for my career like for me, I have like this you know just like doing little things and like I remember my first project that I was trying like to work on a brief and for me I understood yeah it clicked and I just straight away understood that's what I want to do do you have anything like that like before Krispy Kreme or maybe like uh, when you came to Krispy Kreme um, what
1: was it there wasn't a like a tipping point I suppose it wasn't that click moment like you've, you've just suggested but There was uh, moments where I went to a work experience and I was at school and it was, so I went to a graphic design agency and I was in year 10. So the next year would have been in the final year. And I quickly found that there was nothing like that at school. So what I was doing in the job was really fun. And I was learning from, from the guys in that agency. And I went back to school and I was like, this is really boring. Um, there's nothing to stimulate that you know creativity so um, I I suppose it was at that moment I thought actually there might be something else so then I looked to college and one thing led to another that way so it was um it wasn't a, a one moment but um, it's been a long road it's been a long painful road and I don't know if about you but working in an agency or working especially with other art directors and trying to as a junior trying to stamp your um I suppose put your spin on a creative project and then the art director says oh, i'm not really sure about it or the client says i just don't like it it's quite destroying in inside because this is your little baby you've spent hours working on it to the moment where you go like here it is tada!" and uh no one likes it <laughs> and so that's been quite a a, an eye opener for me and a learning over the years and got much better at it. And I've got much, well, I'd like to think I've got much better at delivering feedback to, you know, team members now and clients as well. So, um, again, if you're listening and that feels like it's you and you're, you're locking horns with people, it will get better. And, uh, I promise you, you'll, you'll, all of these things you'll learn from, you know, the, the moment that you're in now and you'll take it on to, to do better things.
0: And with this approach, so I, I totally understand what you talk about. For me, it was always like, you know, if if someone doesn't like my idea, I always, you know, start to question myself. Like, am I doing something right? Like, it shouldn't be like this. I think, like, if it's a good idea, everyone should like it. But f- what what would you say in the way that, like, should you be able to defend your ideas or is it always like you know a responsibility for an art director to know better because now you are like in this leading position and you know it from the both sides so what's your opinion on that
1: so there's two sides to this i believe um one would be so when we design let's say i'll give you an example so a poster the ability to let that go out into the wild without you having to stand next to it and explain to a customer in my situation is amazing because there's no doubt in that customer's mind about what you're trying to communicate. If you have to stand next to the poster and explain it to every single customer, then I think we need to relook at it. And so there's this tipping point between, does it work in the eye of the customer or does it work in the eye of a designer? And it's trying to find that balance. And there's also a tipping point, um, around, is it too conceptual for now? And is the world ready for it now? So I'll give you an example and, and the most famous example I could probably give you would be Yeezy and, and Kanye West and some of the, the trainers that he brings out, the shoe designs that he brings out, there is huge amounts of controversy around how ugly they are, or they just, they just don't fit with anything that people know or like at the moment then you leave it two to three years and everyone's wearing them and everything's moved on in that sort of direction and so it's then commonplace and so you almost looked and say well he knew we could see into the future but what he really was doing was just pushing the boundaries letting everyone come round to the fact that you know, this idea that i've got in my mind isn't bad you just don't like it at the moment because you're not used to it and so it's that wild end of the spectrum and this really safe end and you've got to try and find that balance between the two and have a commercial hat on to say is this design going to actually drive revenue for the business and what we're doing but at the same time trying to push boundaries and push the the brand forward
0: yeah and i think it also like you know it depends on whether you are an individual that is pushing the boundaries or with the company so i think for a brand it's much more um you know, frightening. You have a lot of responsibility. You have a lot of dependencies on your brand. And I think that's the way it works. uh, Like with you said is like, can you ask, like he's an individual, he can push those boundaries. But um, with Krispy Kreme, uh, tell us a bit more about like what you've been up to, like what the projects are and how are you pushing the boundaries?
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, so I mean, We constantly, in the creative team, try to strive to to better last year. And um, we always measure up against, is it better than last year, is it beat year ago? If it isn't, then we need to go back to the drawing board and and try and think of a a different route. Now, that isn't just creative, that's across the entire marketing department. So we all feed in to to one big cog in, in the machine. And then the creative team would then take that brief, and then trying to execute against that brief. But again, trying to push the boundaries of what we've done in, in prior years or even last year. Um, so give you an example of a project that I am really proud of and worked on for two years, or two and a half years. I didn't actually anticipate it being that long. It just t- it ended up being that long because one thing again, led to another. But um, this was one of the hardest briefs I've ever had to work on, it's safe to say. so. Our donuts, as you probably know, are quite delicate. They're they're all handmade, all uh, made fresh daily, um, all hand decorated and uh, hand finished. And so, what we have to what we want to try and do is get those donuts into the hands of people at the other end of the country through the post. And so, using a, a courier network, try and get a, a very delicate, soft, fresh product undamaged. To someone at the other end of the country was the task and so i just knew there was a way to do this i just had this vision i can't explain it other than i had a vision and problem and i just had to put the two together and i had a great team of people around me um from a a product designer that i work with quite closely to um, a few people helping me problem solve when it comes to dispatching some orders and testing, but ultimately we arrived at this, this uh, concept that you will see now live, and it's a, a protective insert into all deliveries that go from our innovation kitchen. So if you ordered online today, you would get your delivery the next day and it would arrive by um, 11 o'clock in the morning and they would arrive, fingers crossed, <laughs> undamaged uh, in perfect condition. And um, I've managed to patent or file, I filed a patent for that um, project and it's going through, it's at the last final stages of approval. So fingers crossed this time, maybe in a few months time, I'll have uh, the green light and have a filed patent. So yeah, it's uh, it's been really challenging, really exciting to work on, and it's unlocked a whole new revenue stream for the brand. And then we can send any donut to anyone in the country, you know, bar a few, the little islands. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's quite exciting for me to see that go live. I need
0: to order some now so that I'll hey. get them
1: by 11 a.m. tomorrow. I'll send you some.
0: <laughs> Amazing. And you, you mentioned that, um, basically it opened like new revenue for the business. Yeah. So that's the thing that really interests me in creative, um, departments and big brands. Does the leadership and the leading process differ from other departments? Because you basically understand how the creative agencies work out, it's all settled there. But in big corporations, there are very strict processes. So how do you fit a creative process? That is, sometimes it is structured, but it requires a little bit of, you know, spontaneity, a little bit of nuance. How do you fit it in into a very structured corporate brand uh, processes?
1: So... I've worked really hard to try and give guardrails to the brand over the years. So I've been at Krispy Kreme now for eight and a half years. And over those years, I've tried to build guardrails. And by guardrails specifically, I mean things that we can bounce between. So there isn't a hard and fast rule for something. Now there is a hard and fast rule for the colors and for the logo and for the, the, the fonts and stuff. But what I mean is does this fit within the brand ethos does it does it feel right and then we bounce between that and as long as we're pushing the boundaries as long as we're um doing the right thing for the brand then it's it's going to be ultimately right now i'm very lucky to work on crispy cream because we are fairly entrepreneurial still it, although we are a big brand and we are a global brand i still feel the The element of empowerment to try and come up with really cool ideas uh take them to market see if they work fail but fail fast and learn from it and um yeah I, i suppose to your point around big corporations they do seem like lots of layers and lots of you know strict targets and little gates that you have to fit within i i don't think it's like that here or quite like that here at crispy cream um it's quite a flat structure of a very closely with um our cmo and ceo and all the c's um and so it's 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 really good uh, and, and i think that's probably one of the things that sets us apart from from other brands to be honest
0: that sounds really cool like i i really um like this this type of companies do inspire me that being like a global brand they still you know save this entrepreneurial feeling of being like more flat structured and more, you know, like a, 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 um, a community, you know, like of, of people solving problems, basically. But also, how for you as a creative, how do you find it working in one brand? So basically, all the time you're working with one brand. Because when you work in an agency, you have a lot of briefs coming from different brands, and it's always like different challenges so how for you is it working like with one brand i understand it's a lot of new challenges every day but it's still one brand so how do you find uh you know a lot of like i don't know something new something uh unknown and uh to fulfill your creativity
1: so um it's a good point and i've actually asked myself this question like why are you still here eight eight and a half years and i I do really love the brand i've i've um sort of grown to love it over the years even more so because of the value I feel I've added to it if that makes sense. Um, I think that the, the flippant nature of some creatives whereby they just want the next thing they want to try and find the next thing can sort of get in the way of really building momentum within a brand. So I did like the fact that when I was in agencies I did like the fact that I was working on some variation different brands but what i didn't like was just when you thought you were getting the brand and the tone of voice and the the pack they would move on and it would be a different project and there'd be another brand to come in whereas what i found is actually being in-house in a, a cool brand like Krispy Kreme is you can really get under the skin and really figure out what it is that drives the brand what it is that customers love about it and then Hone your skills around that so an example would be um hidden brand truths that not many people know about so all of our donuts are handcrafted or they're made fresh daily so it's how do you then that's the problem to solve how do you then bring that to the fore and tell everyone about it and shout from the rooftops and do it in a creative way so um it's kept me very busy and over the last eight years or so it's been uh, a, a massive growth curve for the brand, and so I think that's what's kept me really interested. And I give this uh, analogy that I really love to be on the rocket going to the moon, and when, once we've landed on the moon, I'm no longer really interested. And so I think the the growth curve, especially at Krispy Kreme, has kept me interested over these years. And it's um yeah, it's been it's quite exciting journey.
0: That's, that's really cool. And um, how was the process of you transforming into a leader of the team? So being a creative director, so coming from being a creative that like works hands on, on the project, now you're managing your team. So how was this transformation for you? How did the process look like?
1: So um, I, when I joined Krispy Kreme, I was a, a middleweight designer would say, and I very quickly understood the dynamics of a corporate world and the the only way for me to to progress at the rate that i wanted to was to a get better better leadership experience and get better as a leader and articulating my designs and articulating the the vision and so i furiously went out and just learned everything that there was available to me around leadership looking at all sorts of different styles um One of my favorites actually is Simon Sinek and um, really just everything that he says resonated with me. And so then I would start applying that to my daily life. So I would urge anyone in a slightly more junior role to start being a leader today. It doesn't matter if you've got a a title or not, you can be a leader. Um, And that's just simply looking after the person to the left and to the person to the right of you and as long as you're, I suppose, doing that, what then comes after that is sort of a bit more eyeballs on, okay, such and such is looking like they're looking after people, they're nurturing, they're mentoring, they're coaching. And all of a sudden you start to find yourself in a in a air quotes, leadership position. Um, and then one thing would lead to another after that. And so you then start to build out your, maybe um, get some mentors, um, and again i would urge anyone in a in a slightly more junior position to to seek out a mentor or just surround yourself with positive um people that are in leadership positions that you can learn from but um yeah i think i think hopefully that answers your question
0: yeah yeah yeah. and uh, did you have a mentor of that kind like uh for, for you who who was it
1: yeah I, I think i don't think so. mentor and this is one of the things I've struggled with over the years when someone said to me, you need a mentor, you need to get a mentor. And I was like, well, what does that mean? Do you have to go up to someone and say, can you mentor me? Or, (laughs) you know, what does that actually mean? And so over the years, for me, what that's meant is whoever I'm surrounding myself with in a work capacity, on outside of work is equally important. So my friends I would say are are mentors they're doing all sorts of fantastic things with their own businesses and I I would class that as like mentorship or um I would class my line manager as a mentor and so I think daily occurrences with people that are in leadership positions or positions that you respect or positions that you think actually that really interests me can all be mentors of such now of course you can go out and ask people to be a mentor officially um and i i think that is most beneficial as well i think that could be that person that you pick up the phone to and so i have a a problem that i'd need helping with or just talking through or can i just bounce this off of you so that can be invaluable um as you as you grow into into a different role
0: yeah and um uh, i think like for me I had something similar, like in uni. So basically like where I studied, uh, we had this kind of like, you know, a mentor that would go with you through the whole, like five years that you study uh, film. And I also understood that basically it can't be just one person. <clears throat> it's like, it's all the people that surround you throughout your journey. Uh, those are your friends, your family, uh, even just, you know, uh, like, acquaintances that you meet uh, somewhere along uh, along the way, they all build you and they all build your um, like creative style, your leadership style. And also sometimes people that don't even know you exist, they become your mentors, you know, like reading something can become your mentor. So yeah, I, I, I totally understand what you mean. And in terms of like processes that you build um, as as a creative director, can you share some maybe tips and maybe like share, like maybe like outline the processes that, that, that you build of creating a team of like being a good leader and encouraging people to like fulfill their creativity?
1: Yeah. Um, so really important, I suppose, as a creative leader, director, however you want to put it, um, is to set a vision or set, a team goal or a North star. And so as you can imagine, creatives and you are one and, and I got very strong opinions on direction or what things should look like or styles. And so you have a team of people with all of these strong opinions. And so the, the best way to make those guys gel I found is having a very clear, very simple vision that everyone can get on board with. And so the vision for our team at Krispy Kreme, the creative team, that is, is simply create beautiful things. So it's three words. And the reason I've brought that in is to ensure that when times get tough or when uh, there's lots going on, volume of work gets too much, they can just step back, think about create beautiful things and make sure that they are creating beautiful things it's it's really as simple as that i want people to come in happy go home happy i want them to make sure they're working on the stuff that that really fulfills them um, and that builds and um i suppose aids their journey as well it's not about you know one-sided take 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 it's it's definitely a a two-way street so Having a north star, I found, really worked. The other thing that's really worked is having guardrails. Again, I, I mentioned them earlier about the brand, but actually, we've got team guardrails as well. And I won't go through them all now, but it's very simple. Eight things, it could be, it could be six, it could be eight, it could be ten. As long as you can roughly remember them, then they they form a, a really good little piece of paper that you can maybe sign as a team, or you could. And stick up on the wall and, and look at every now and again so when times get tough as I said you can come back to them and say this is why we're doing it this is what I should make sure that we should include one of them is um, something my granddad actually used to say to me back in when I was probably about 10 um, I remember him I said um, that will do and we were we were doing something about around carpentry because he was a carpenter and I think we were hanging a door or something. I was helping him And I said, oh, that'll do, as in just a a flippant comment. And he stopped what he was doing. I remember it. He stopped what he was doing. And he said, what did you just say? I said, that'll do. And he said, don't ever say that again. And what he was trying to communicate was that that'll do just leads from one thing to the other. And eventually you end up churning out mediocre work, stuff that you're not proud of yourself. um, And which then leads me to the next part is, would you put your initials on it? And so a, a strong barometer of success, I suppose, would be if you've done a poster, a piece of packaging or whatever, and it goes out into the wild and someone says, who's done that? Would you be proud to stand up and say, yeah, that was me? Or would you shrink down a little bit and you know, try and hide from the fact that you did that in a rush or you did that because someone else said it? So. A lot of um, guardrails and rules, they're there to aid creativity, not get in the way of creativity. I think that's important. Not trying to be too strict with it, but trying to conjure up a little bit more imagination and and make sure people are happy with the stuff that they're putting out and not just for the sake of it.
0: Yeah, sure. And I think, like, in any kind, like, not in a negative connotation of a word constraints, you know, it's like, it's like you, you you you're controlling your stream because I like for me I just think like creativity is still it's a, it's a, a stream like whatever you have on your mind, whatever experiences you have, whatever styles you like, it's all like you need to kind of you know just guide it a little bit. But also for me as um, as an asp- aspiring to be a leader in the creative wo- world, I would say how do you train this um this vision of understanding this will work and this is the person like i should encourage more maybe i see potential in this person so how do you train this vision how do you um basically like i know it comes with experience but maybe you have uh something that helped you to form this uh you know the the, the ability to identify
1: yeah i th- difficult there isn't a one size fits all method to this um as much as maybe people would say there is or that you know sell the dream and you know this is what you should do i actually don't think there is i think there's lots of different challenges that lots of different people are really good at and um, they might be not good at one thing but they're great at another and so it's spotting the things that the individual likes doing and is really good at, and then doubling down on that. So to give you an example, it might be that you like uh, photo editing or post-production, but you don't necessarily like um, typography. And so it would be, okay, I would expose you to typography to make sure that you learn it, you understand the principles, but where you would add maximum value is where you really enjoy because you'd get a, a kick out of doing it. Is It's post-production. So I would push you down that path a little bit further, see where it takes you. And then you might get to a, a certain point and think, actually, I don't really like this anymore. And it's spotting that moment to then adjust and bring someone over to a, a different section of the, of the team. So um, it's also important to know that a team definitely needs a well-rounded group of individuals. You can't just have the same person you know, doubled up or tripled, yeah. it, it just wouldn't, um, it wouldn't be a good mix. So to, to spot talent and to raise it up, um, is actually quite difficult and to quite it's difficult to, to quantify or to just put a, uh, a label on what I tend to do is sit down with the individual and and go through what they enjoy, what they like doing, what they don't like doing. And then, we would start developing them down a path that hones their skills in where they enjoy. So then at the end of it, you get a, a fantastic you know, team player that is amazing at something and not just uh, one that is quite maybe upset or, or miserable in, in the role that they're in just because they're not doing the right stuff. So it's about spotting it.
0: Sure. And um, just remembered, like recently I had a, like, a conversation about... Um, just, you know, creatives being uh, all upset and basically like a bit frightened with the AI coming, you know, yeah. to the industry. AI. <laughs> yeah. So uh just like yesterday, I had a podcast about that as well. Yeah. And we had like, you know, a very like dis- discussion, discussion about, um, you know, should we be afraid of it? Like, should we be frightened that it's going to replace us all? So... Do your uh teammates, the, the 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 your your colleagues, uh are they like frightened of that? Like what would you say to a person being uh, frightened, oh my god, I'm a designer, but here's mid journey that can do like, you know, some concept art for me. So
1: what would you say to this person? Um Well, I'd probably tell them that I'm really excited about it. Um and that I'm not frightened at all. I think we've had periods in time whereby this has happened and uh, a recent talk was given and it was around the tractor and you know when the tractor came along all farmers thought that their jobs had been no taken but actually all it it allowed them to just do it more efficiently and it allowed them to um, cover more ground and so I suppose AI and the way I look at it would be that it actually frees us up to be more creative it frees us up from the the mundane automated tasks that could quite easily be shifted over to AI so that we can get back to the really creative stuff, the, the creative thinking and problem solving. So I do believe that AI will eventually get really good. It, there's no doubt it's going to get fantastically good. And you'll the ability to articulate what you want from the AI bot Will um, be more important than maybe your skill set in Photoshop, say. Yeah. Um, where I don't think it will be good, and there'll be a tipping point, I suppose, and whether it does this or doesn't, is let's say, um, and it, this is where it'd be really handy, actually. If I had a batch of, say, donut images that I'd, that I'd taken, and I wanted to create a poster out of it for a collaboration with a, a big brand and you could feed that into the AI machine and it would say, okay, so I've got these images, I've got this brand, this is the poster that's been described to me that I need to create, and then it creates it. That would essentially be quite handy to have. Now, where I think we are at the moment is it just doesn't have that capability because there's so many variables. There's lots of team members, you know, feeding in information about this trend's happened or this is what we want to push today or this price or this, specific and we've got a lot of partners that we partner with so tesco's and asda and morrison's and so all of those guys will have their individual approaches so do i think ai is this big scary thing that's going to take over everyone's jobs and make everyone redundant um probably not no i think what it will do is it will aid our ability to create better things quicker uh, and also allow us a bit more time back i think we get bogged down in email and Teams messages and meetings. And I think it'll give us a bit more time back. So I'm excited for that part of it, for sure.
0: And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm also very excited. Like for me, it's became like such an amazing tool, you know, to, um, if I have an idea and I want to quickly showcase what I mean, not to, you know, like explain a lot of words. I can input it into Me Journey. It will create like a 3D render or something. And basically it will just tell what I want to show. And as well, like with Chat GPT, for example, I have an idea, but I want to, I don't know, adapt it in some way, or maybe find something uh like some some decision that I like wouldn't pay attention to as well. So yeah, in this case it's really good. But also what I found that it will create a lot of mediocre and average stuff. So, in a way, it's a good thing and a bad thing because, like, in a good thing, it will allow true creators and like people that are really like talented to outshine it. But at the same time, there will be a lot of average stuff that basically some brands will be like, that's enough for me. Like, I don't want to solve any big problems. I don't want to be like, you know, pushing boundaries that that works for me. Yeah. So what do you think with that? Like, will it change our industry in the way that people will have like, some companies will tend to use just AI and will be like, No, I don't want to experiment anymore.
1: I think the bigger question is that actually social media, in my opinion, has changed dramatically over simply the last five years, even. In that the first for content has essentially created a a that'll do economy around creative. I I don't know if you agree with this, but we're starting to see because it's so hungry for content and because we need to get to stuff very quickly, it's become lo-fi or rough around the edges, a little bit unpolished, not the, the finished article that maybe the creative would want. But because they had to get it out the door quickly and because it's now culturally relevant to, to get it out today and it won't be tomorrow, then I think that's the bigger question that's probably every brand is facing. How do you scale up to that sort of mass produced, good quality work? And I've started calling it in Krispy Kreme, actually, because this is the problem we're trying to solve as well. I've started calling it a polished authenticity and it's that polish that we want to try and get make sure that you know we know it's crispy cream and you know they yeah. wouldn't drop their standards but at the same time feeling authentic feeling relatable to the customer and so um it's that balance again as we spoke about earlier it's trying to find that middle ground where you don't look at smaller brands and copy what they're doing because that's past and you don't go right up there and try and spend millions of pounds on something that's going to last five minutes. So it's that balance between the, between the two that I'm, I'm struggling with, but get. <laughs> did,
0: did you use AI for anything in Krispy Kreme now, like for any projects?
1: We've not used it. No, we've, um, we've definitely explored using it for, um, for things like brainstorms for things like storyboarding. Um, there's some really good tools out there to speed up that process. So articulate and again articulation of ideas and concepts will become more and more important but that allows you to galvanize teams internally um and we've got you know 135 stores nationwide and we wanted to do a project with all some some of the store staff the ones that would be keen to do it and be on camera for for TikTok. and so galvanizing those guys quickly and efficiently but also giving some photos and some Realistic examples, AI and MidJourney, as you said, but also Adobe Firefly. I don't know if you've heard yeah. of that one. We explored that, and it come up with some really cool stuff. And it's nowhere near the quality that you'd want and you'd be sure. proud of. But it came up with a, a an idea that someone could go, "Oh, okay, I get it," and then they could run with it. So that's what I'm really yeah. excited to see: is giving a little bit of stimulus to someone that maybe isn't quite creative but then can run off with that and, and do something really magical.
0: Yeah. I think it will just, you know, inspire creativity in a way. So like everyone, yeah, is frightened of it, but at the same time, I think more and more people will be able to be creative. Like for some people it has been such a, a blocker, for example, oh, I can't draw. Yeah. But now basically, if you have an image inside your head, you have a great idea. You can just input it and you have a drawing and say, yeah. I am an artist in a way like it doesn't mean that I need to you know draw and uh, be able to like you know do some high like fine art you know yeah and uh yeah I think I think it's like a very interesting and bizarre uh time we live in yeah, um that point, yeah
1: so to get non-creative people being creative let's say yeah they can get at least 80 percent of the way there and then maybe introduce that into uh maybe a creatives world to say, this is what I sort of want. It's not quite where I want it. Can you take it further? And so, yeah, it does open the door to more people coming into the industry and it does open the door to more ideas in different industries that maybe just weren't there because they just can't articulate themselves.
0: Yeah. 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 I think, and it also will encourage like all the type of diversity and inclusion, you yeah. know, because I- yeah, like some people, like they have some, uh, I don't know. Um, like they're not capable of doing something that other people can, for example. Like depends on any kind of conditions, but they are creative by their nature, and I think it will be such a a, a pity to miss out on great ideas just because people like, can't draw, or can't articulate themselves um, uh, good. And uh, yeah, I think yeah, I think it's a it's a, it's a great great time, and. Um, uh, I'm really interested. You mentioned like the brainstorm process uh, in your team, can you uh, let us like, you know, inside the process a little bit show us behind the scenes? How does it look in your team? Like how the process is in terms of like, do you do any like kind of interesting workshops? Because I, I, I did study and research some of the techniques that you can use for team brainstorming team workshops, but every team leader has their own approach. So what is your
1: approach so there is the element of time that you need to throw into this so we would love to spend you know a day out out of offsite you know brainstorming ideas for a, a project the reality is and most often that we do run out of time because time is precious and it's it's one of those fast paced environments that a lot of projects come through the team and they're trying to, you know, make sure they do have enough time for these creative uh, brainstorms. But at the same time, they're trying to fulfill work. So it's that tension that we've got to try and figure out most of the time. However, my approach to it would be off site. So you're out of uh, an office environment. You're not getting you no know, taps on the door. Can we use the meeting room? That type of thing. Um, the the other thing that really actually worked in a recent brainstorm is it might have been about six months ago when we did this. Um, so we used this Disney model. I saw it from, I don't remember where I saw it. And basically you draw little rooms. So the first room would be a blue sky room. And because more often than not, what you find is with brainstorms, there'll be someone that's really good at thinking big and, and blue sky. And they'll come up with an idea like... I oh, know, let's put wings on a pig to see if it can fly. And you're like, well, that won't work. And that person that says that, that won't work destroys the thought process of the person coming up with this idea, this grand idea. And so, what we found was that if we put these little superficial rooms or these hypothetical rooms in, so we'd have a blue sky room and we'd all say in the team, right, we're in the blue sky room now. Don't think of anything else. This is all no idea, is a silly idea, and it's important to think like that so that everything comes out. And then we'd move into the next room and that would be the sermon room or the room that we critique the previous ideas. And then we'd move into the final one where that would be um, taking and thinking logically around, will the customer actually like it? Will the budget stretch to that type of thing? in in thinking logically around, will it actually work? And so then you distill quite good ideas down to ones that actually would work versus staying up in the blue sky, coming sitting down on the computer and then saying, it's not gonna work. And we're like, I know because we should have done all that beforehand. So I found that really works. And you could spend, you know, five hours in blue sky and then one hour later on critiquing or you could spend one hour in blue sky and and the next refining it, it depends on the business model, I think it depends on the type of business that you're in, it depends on what budgets you've got as well to open the door to this big thinking um but yeah, that's, that's the sort of thing that we do. We do it other ways. we do um you know half an hour brainstorms that we sort of know that the route that we're going down, and we sort of uh, know the ideas and we sort of know roughly where we want to take it before even sitting down together. So then that's a fairly easy one where we'd be a bit more methodical around, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this, who wants to execute it or should we all take a piece of this? So there's multiple ways, but the the first one that I spoke about was probably the one that is uh, most successful when you're coming up with a brand new idea for a concept that hasn't been seen yet.
0: That's really cool. I'll, I'll, I'll research into that. Uh, yeah. Because I haven't heard about it. Like, there's a lot of different techniques that I tried. And, you know, sometimes uh, like, I don't know if you do that, but I sometimes like, you know, to concentrate on the final idea that was already approved by the client, like maybe the project has like been already launched. And then I like to see, you know, go backwards mm-hmm. and basically like track all the steps that came before this idea, because I was always interested in the way, how do people come up with it? Like what? like what idea came before, how did you refine it? So sometimes with the team, uh, we like to go like, you know, backwards and basically like do like a backwards execution of the idea and just yeah. you know, like to slice it into previous steps. And yeah, it's like in retrospective, I think it's really useful and very, um, yeah, edu- educative
1: in a way. Yeah, and uh, that yeah. actually leads me to another thing. It's um, that's a really interesting way to think about it because designers that I've come across that have been maybe frustrated or thinking about, you know, leaving the industry because they're fed up more often than not, I have found that they don't like the process. They don't like the, the long drawn out, painful, you know, pixel pushing here and colors and all sorts of different things. They just want to get to the end goal and tick a box. Now. If you're a creative and you like just ticking boxes, probably not the best industry to be in because you've got to fall in love with the process. And as soon as it's done and it's out the door, you're onto the next thing. And you'll get back into that process, that painful creative process. So what I would say to people is fall in love with the process. Don't rush it. Don't get frustrated by it. In fact, in fact frustration is part of the process, unfortunately. Yeah. And just know that when you come to the end of that, you're going to be excited to get to the next project because you love the process, not you're excited to tick that box at the end. I said, that's a totally different industry. I think that's more workflow manager or something.
0: Yeah. 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 And it's also like, because it's, it it becomes your job and you have to do it like five days a week, but if you're like really uh, like, but as soon as you progress into this career, you do it all the time. So basically, I wouldn't say that I limit my work hours, like, you know, from nine to five, I find that whatever I do outside of work hours is also working, you know, for my creative, uh, you know, journey as well. So like what I see, what I read, like where I go, people I talk with, it all helps me with the current project, or it will help me with my future projects. And it leads me to your question. Like, do you have any tips on what you do in your daily life that keeps you know, like constantly creatively motivated, you know, it's like that you can feed yourself with the information, like, what can you, um, advise, uh, what kind of tips?
1: I think everyone is different. I think, that's yeah, what for sure. I'm saying, I think everyone draws inspiration from different places um me in particular like i said before i'm I'm an infinite learner i would i would definitely in fact i find myself feeling guilty that i've not learned anything on the weekends and it's not a great place to be sometimes because you're like ah, frustrated that you've not you know learned anything new or progressed something that you should have but i find that inspiration comes to me in all forms i could be i doing something totally different to creative industry stuff. And I would think of an idea that would relate to the day job. Um, there's the classic examples, you know, websites, Behance and, and Dribble, and all, all those, those good ones. But I find you're constantly looking at what's been done before you and not truly thinking what, what could I do for this problem? What could I do for this specific? reason and not try to manipulate something someone else has done already um i know most of the time everything that's been done before pretty much and it's sort of a rendition of what's been done before it and it's elevated in some way but the truly groundbreaking stuff the ones where you feel truly fulfilled and you've really thought about it uh sometimes the inspiration just comes to you from random angles and different industries so that's where i get mine i I find that cross-pollinating different industries into the into the same one would be um quite a skill i guess because you've got to be interested in other things as well not just creative but it does give you a different angle to come at things and not just the, the same one every time
0: yeah for sure and uh yeah, I, I did uh, check your LinkedIn page just before the episode and I found that you do love golf. Does golf bring you creative inspiration in some, in some way? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I am a very average, I mean, below average um, golfer. Um, the reason I, I love golf actually is because when you're on the golf course, it's one of those sports that you don't think about anything else. In fact, you're trying to hit that tiny little white ball with that, tiny little golf club as far as you can go or sometimes you know aim it and i did get a hole in one um a couple of years ago and that was quite satisfying shall we say. i think it was uh it was witnesses around so <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just me saying i got a hole in one um but yeah golf does relax me particularly i think it's one of those where you can take your mind off the day-to-day um totally out of creativity um, i don't draw any inspiration from it unfortunately i'm more <laughs> furiously trying frustrated more more often than not so um yeah it's, it's definitely not one that i draw inspiration from
0: but yeah um i yeah i i also understand what you mean like by having one hobby that is not connected to uh like being creative for example and just you know being like concentrating on something and letting your brain your mind relax and to switch into something else which is really important sometimes so yeah I I I do love um do love like playing chess and also I tried um but now like I took a little bit of a break but I started playing rugby and I really, really got interested in it. It's like, it's such a cool way of, you know, like you're so scared of being tackled that you forget about work straight away, you know, so in a
1: way that's, that's similar to being like concentrated on something. Yeah, and, a uh, yeah. Rugby is a, a very team orientated sport. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's one of those, uh, are you doing touch rugby or is it full on rugby?
0: Full on rugby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, wow. yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I did like some like last year, but yeah, uh, the, the girls I, w- I were with uh, in, in the team that like, come back, I was like, oh, so I'm busy with work and etc. <laughs> but yeah, like now I, I feel like I'm, I'm craving to do something like that where you like so you know, out of, you know, being concentrated on work uh, constantly. So yeah. yeah, totally understand it. And um, yeah, the last question I have, Mike, uh, what would you advice to a young leader just you know starting as a leader in the creative team maybe one two advices what they can do better and uh what like what they can uh, draw inspiration from
1: oh god this is the um the moment where i have to impart <laughs> this you know, yeah tell with.
0: wisdom yeah yeah
1: um, unfortunately i don't think i've got any of that however um i think the The best thing to do is just don't get disheartened with the day-to-day. You know, show up, do your best, um, be supportive to those around you, celebrate successes of other people. Um, It isn't about, look what I've created. It's about, look what we've created. I think language, especially in a leadership position, is extremely important. The, The more a leader would say, I, or... My or or my team or I've done this or can you do that? The the less chance you've got of galvanizing a team to to work with you towards a goal towards a vision. So I would suggest researching a little bit more on leadership. It's a, a, definitely a skill that you know no one in the world has managed to you know successfully complete. I think you're constantly learning different ways and different personalities and how to get the best out of people. But if you're just starting out on this journey, keep going, Um, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be really difficult. I think you've got to care genuinely about people and about their success as well, not just your own. I think it's important to remember that the, the success of the team is a direct reflection of your leadership as well not just how good you are, how good a design you've just done. Um, and just keep going, keep creating beautiful things, set a, a clear vision for the team and, um, hold them to account for it. Um, they've got to show some tough love sometimes, but it'll be coming from a great place. And as long as there's transparency and open-mindedness in the team, then everyone will be receptive to that feedback and it's going to be all great.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much, Mike. And uh, yeah, thank you for coming on the podcast. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for listening. Please do subscribe and share. Leave comments on any platform you use for listening to podcasts. Check out the links I will leave in the description below. And please email us with your stories and suggestions for the next topics. Have a great week.